I am glad to see you. And in a class like this, participation is required. Are you ready? I'll try to be really nice about it, but I need you to help me. Okay? Stand out. It was said of Jesus in Mark chapter 7. Jesus could not be hidden. Isn't that an interesting thing? There's something so great, something so awesome about Jesus that really he couldn't hide if he wanted to. His beauty, his greatness would come out and it was very attractive to a lot of people, although some people were threatened by that. It was natural though for Jesus. After all, he's the light of the world, John 8 and verse 12. So light can't be hidden. It's going to shine. How about you? Look at Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. In this passage, Jesus says that God's people are like two things. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. What are God's people to be like, according to the passage? It's a question. God's people are to be like? To be like salt. That's a good one. You know, if something's really salty, you can sure taste it, can't you? You notice it. It's not going to be hidden. What's the other? light of the world. Something that's salty and something that's bright and shining it's not easy to hide it, is it? And God's people are to be like salt and light. Why? Why? What's the purpose of us having influence or an example that, that can't be hidden? It's natural, like you know, salt or light. It's just who we are. We're not trying to, to put on a front or pretend to be something that we're not. We're not acting like hypocrites or anything. We're genuinely trying to be salt and light because of our relationship with God. So what's the purpose of all that? To glorify God. That's exactly right. It's not just so people will pat you on the back. It's not just so people will think that we are awesome personally, but they'll realize that the God that we love is awesome and that we are just God's servants and he's made a difference in our lives. James is a book that helps us to know more about standing out. Now, from what we've been studying before and what you already know about the book of James, what do you know about the author of the book, James. Who was he? Do you know? Who was James? Anybody know? Yeah, the likelihood is that he was the brother of Jesus, that Mary would have other children later with Joseph. And while Mary would be Jesus' mom, you know, God you know, brought Jesus into existence through a miracle here in the world. But the rest of the family would have come along later. And James would have been one of those. And here's something to think about. 
I'll, I hope you remember this. No book of the Bible sounds more like Jesus than James. No book of the Bible sounds more like Jesus than James. And it's really because James refers to Jesus and what he preached and taught a lot. Now that's even more interesting when you think about the fact that when Jesus walked around, James didn't initially believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. But when Jesus arose from the dead, one of the people that he appeared to was James. And there was no getting, you know, sometimes facts, we we get the fact, but we don't want to really see the implications, uh, uh, what, what's involved in the facts. James could see that Jesus was really different because he never said anything he shouldn't say. He never told a lie. He always did the right thing. If you think you've got a goody-goody brother or sister, James really had the ultimate goody-goody brother. He really did. <laughs> but it's the resurrection of Jesus that makes James see, hey, I've got to understand he really is God's son. And so James becomes a really powerful Christian leader because he loved Jesus. And he's a man of great faith in God. Now James is a book that deals with standing out and maturing. Growing up spiritually. If you look on the board with me, I have five principles on one side of the board and then six people Studying how we should stand out as young people for Jesus will involve our looking at one principle from each of the five chapters of James. James has got five chapters. This is a short book as far as the Bible is concerned. You know, that's a pretty short book. Let's look at one principle from each chapter. Okay, you with me? And it's about standing out as someone who loves God. A person that stands out for loving God is patient in times of trial and temptation. You really want to be a person that's known as being a person that loves Jesus because you do love Jesus. Think about it, patient. Can we get the opposite of the term, please? What's the opposite of patient? Impatient. Impatient. Show me people that are impatient with people and circumstances all the time, and I'll show you somebody that's not very mature. It's hard, though, to be patient with people and circumstances. Isn't that right? But that's what James chapter 1 is about, being patient with our trials and temptations. Patient with people and circumstances. Not impatient. You know, some people are really in your face. And they'll start hollering and going crazy. There's no patience. Other people give you the stone, uh, the stone look. You know, they're just like, not stone, but stone. Look, they turn to like a rock. 
I got you. You're about to call out on me, but I got you. Then he smiled. <laughs> Fair enough. Stay with me. We'll have fun while we're studying God's Word. Got that? Thank you, Mike. Very good. Thank you. Now, stone face. You know, kind of cool. Aloof. Isolated. You know. Kind of like icy. Some people, that's how they respond. But that's really not patience either, is it? Patient in trials and temptation. Think of this, James 1, 2. Consider it all joy when you encounter, whenever you face trials. That's a hard thing to do. James is speaking as somebody that really knew Jesus and is trying to live like Jesus. Here's the second chapter. Go to second chapter 2. James 2 talks about how a mature Christian practices the truth consistently. Consistently. Opposite of consistent Absolutely. I'm not trying to insult you, but I want you to think about it. You show me somebody that's inconsistent, and I'll show you a person that's immature. You know, sometimes they'll do right, sometimes they'll do whatever they, they please. Maybe you've got somebody in your family, you know, sometimes practicing what's right. It's really what they're into. Other times, I don't want to, and I'm not going to. It's a clash of our wills, our desires, practices of truth. Look at James 2, 24-26 in your Bible. Would you mind reading that? Hey, I wish I had your hair. I do not have your hair. What's your first name, please? Cooper. Cooper, if you don't mind, man, read on. Read on. James 2, 24-26. Thank you. Appreciate that, Cooper. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works, which she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from sin is dead, from spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Practicing the truth because we love Jesus. Because we want to grow in Jesus. And because we want to be consistent. Sometimes you don't have a good relationship with your friends because they're inconsistent. Stand out. Stand out. Being salt and light naturally because you love Jesus. Nothing fake about it. Chapter 3. A person who is Standing out and maturing, growing in Jesus, has power over their tongue, their speech. Power over their tongue, speech. Nobody is really very mature. Nobody's really growing in Jesus who doesn't show a desire to be controlling what they say. In 
Have you ever just had somebody say something to you that was mean and cut you and hurt? Have you ever said anything to anybody like that? Words can be so encouraging. Words can be so destructive. Power over our tongue, power over our speech. Now, I know that that's in James chapter 3. What's your name? You're looking at me here. I like your hair too, nice and long. I have long since forgotten about that. I'm thinking my life. Go ahead, what's your name? Chloe. Chloe. Read James 1.26, if you would. James 1.26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. This is Kentucky bridling something you ought to know something about, right? Rein in this horse. Because if you don't, it's going to get away from you. That's your tongue. Watch out. And nobody can really be mature. Nobody can grow in Jesus who doesn't emphasize their speech. There's a little poem that goes like this. Be careful of the words you say and keep them soft and sweet. You never know from day to day which words you'll have to eat. All of us have had to eat some words, haven't we? And it's not, it's not, it's not fun. How much more uh, we can save ourselves from grief or from hurting others if we didn't say some things or tempted to say? Anybody got a comment? Which of these might be the hardest for you? I'm just, I'm just asking. Uh, being patient. In times of trial and temptation, practicing what's right and being consistent about it, or your speech. What were you going to say? I saw you nodding. What's your name? Oh, patience. Chase hey. Okay. Chase, probably speech, you said? Patience. Patience. Okay. I appreciate your honesty. Why, why, why would you say that when you look at the three? Uh, well, when you feel like something's missing in your life, you really desire it. And that's okay. Okay, and you'd like it now, please. You, you know, I understand. And that, that's so normal. Who doesn't feel that way sometimes? It's hard to wait, isn't it? When there's something you really wouldn't want. And then if you're going through a hard time, it's hard to wait for it to be over. It always seems to last so long. I know personally, even though I preach and teach all the time, I'd have to say James chapter 3 and myself because it's so easy to say something we shouldn't you know what I mean See, what you say is important but how you say it is every bit as important and I struggle with that sometimes maybe you do too it really goes back to James 2 and our trying to be consistent with our patience and trying to be consistent with our speech okay James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James 4 is about being a peacemaker instead of a troublemaker. 
it's kind of one of those labels that people can get uh, attached to them. That person's troublemaker. You're not into trouble. Why are you always getting into trouble? You know, troublemaker. Look at James 4 and verse 1. James 4, 1. And if you don't mind, would you read it? Would you mind? If you got your Bible there, would you do it? Okay, James 4, 1. Okay, faster than a speeding bullet with the phone. Okay, thank you, James 4, 1. And an assist. Okay, come on, that's good. That's work. That's good. Okay. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from the desires for pleasure that war in your members? Yeah, it's cool. Now, don't stop. Okay. I'm going to get you to do this, too. You lust and you do not. I was going to get you to do that. You thought I was going to get you to read the next verse, but no, I'm tricky. Read James 3 and verse 18. The last verse of James 3. Ha <laughs> ha! Got it. Okay. You can read James 4 too. No, James 3 and 18. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What's the last word of James 3? Peace. What are the first words of James 4, verse 1? Where do wars? <laughs> Yeah, quarrels and wars. People who have power over their speech and seek God's wisdom in life can have a sense of peace that avoids quarrels and wars in life. Trouble. If you want to avoid trouble, seek God's wisdom. Watch what you say. Well done, by the way, and thanks for the assistance. Okay. James 5. James 5. Yeah, we're doing great. Prayerful in trouble. Prayerful in trouble. Think about immaturity. How many of you have little brothers or little sisters? Hands are coming up proudly. I am an only child, which probably explains some things to y'all right now. If it doesn't, hey, don't shake your head. Yes, I'm going to come back to you. Gotcha. You're awake and I'm glad. Thank you. Okay. Impatience. Inconsistency. They are talking and they can't shut up. Does this sound like little brothers and little sisters? Yes, ma'am. What's your name again? Myra. Myra? No, Amira. Amira. Okay, thank you. Pretty name. Troublemakers. They're always causing trouble, and yet, when I point it out, I'm the one that gets in trouble. Ever happened? Everybody agree? All of the things that drive us nuts and little brothers or sisters, and the tattletales. Why don't you take this to God instead of mom and dad? Come on, y'all. Why don't we just pray about this? Let's have a little talk here with God. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell mom. Hey, I've been around kids. I'm sorry. Little brothers and sisters. I've seen it. Pretty well true. Okay. All right. Sometimes you want to kill them 
but the best thing to do is to pray for them. And maybe pray for yourself that you don't kill them. But what we're talking about is God wants us to grow and to stand out. It's easy to be impatient, inconsistent, to be careless with our speech and hurtful, to be troublemakers and people that get into wars and conflicts and quarrels and people that don't pray when that's the very first thing we ought to be doing. Stand out. Stand out. Now here's something I want you to think about. Jesus is the absolute perfection in all these areas. You ever think about that? And he's willing to help us to be like him when that's what we want to do. Patient and trial and temptation. The devil dropped all the bombs that he could on Jesus and Jesus never sinned that he can help you avoid sin and be with you in times of trial. I do too. Jesus always practiced what was right. You talk about consistent, you know. He really practiced what was right all the time. You think that there was any time for Jesus that might have been a little harder? I do. Didn't Jesus pray in the garden something that we might need to think about? In Matthew 26, he said, Father, if it's possible, what? God, if it's possible, let this. What? Oh, cup pass from me. That's exactly right. Let this cup pass from me. And then he says, what? Nevertheless, he says, not what I want to do, but what? He never said anything that he shouldn't have said. He was always quiet when he should have been, and he was always speaking when he ought to speak. And I get things just the opposite sometimes. And then he was a peacemaker. Even on the cross, he's helping the dying thief make his peace. Even now in our lives, people are finding peace in Him when they have all kinds of conflict going on. Trouble. There's peace in Jesus. And then Jesus in prayer, He began His public ministry with prayer. Whenever He started talking about uh, the cross and his kingdom and the church and things like that. He began by talking to God in prayer. You see the prayers of Jesus throughout the gospel accounts. He prayed at some of the biggest moments of his life. Did you know he prayed all night on some occasions? Did you know that he prayed before he selected the 12 apostles? Did you know that he was praying at his baptism? 
Did you know that he was praying at the Mount of Transfiguration when there was Elijah and, and, and there was Moses and there he is? Did you know he was praying in the garden before he died? Did you know that three of the statements from the cross were prayers? I think Jesus prayed a lot. And if the Son of God prayed a lot, people like us who love the Son of God ought to pray even more because we're not Jesus. We need a lot of help. Now, y'all with me? Six people. I want to focus now on six people in the book of James. Four of them are from the Old Testament. James doesn't name a whole lot of people specifically. But when he does, we ought to kind of pay attention. It could be really helpful because we can stand out and the six people that are named by James all stand out in a really cool way. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 2. Look at verses 21 through 24. Abraham. James 2, 21 through 24. Myra, would you would you read that? Would you try to do it? Thank you. Appreciate it. Was not Abraham my father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him in righteousness. And he was called Okay. What do you know about Abraham? Just basic knowledge of Abraham. What do you know about him? He had a lot of sons. <laughs> okay. That's an interesting observation. In one sense, you're right. But in another sense, maybe not so right. Who is the who was the promised son? of Abraham. Who was one that he waited with? Isaac. And he waited an awful long time for Isaac, didn't he? Okay. And it would be Isaac who would have Jacob as a son and Jacob would have the 12 sons and all of that going on, you know? And it would end up being a big family. And you'd be right in saying that he would have many, many ancestors. And really, Christians are ancestors of Abraham when we think about him as an example of faith. But whenever Myra was reading the passage, she talked about this. And I hope you'll write it down. Remember Abraham for two big reasons. Reason number one, active faith. For a long time, he would just hear God's promise and he would go. And he would do. Active faith caused him to take his son Isaac. And Michael was reading about it in James 2, 21 through 24. And be willing to offer him as a sacrifice to God. That's a lot of faith. That's very active. 
The second thing about Abraham, I hope that you'll remember, and it's at the end of James 2, 21 through 24. Abraham is known as blank, 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 blank. Fill in the blanks. Abraham is known as blank, 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 blank. What's the Bible say? You read it, huh? What? The friend of God wants to be your friend. Do you want to be his? Imagine, and this is said about Abraham three times. It's said about him in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 7 in the Old Testament. It's said about Abraham in Isaiah 41 and verse 8. And it's said about Abraham in James 2, 21 through 24. He is the friend of God. When God thinks about Abraham what goes through his mind, through God's mind, is his active faith, and he's my friend. He wants to be your friend, too. That friendship requires a lot of faith and a lot of action. In no case will that be more true than Here's a second person mentioned in James. Her name has already come up. Rahab. Rahab. When you think about Rahab, remember this about her, how she stood out. Abraham, active faith, the friend of God. Rahab, courageous faith. It takes courage to be willing to stand out sometimes because you stand out some people make fun of you. Some people mock you. Some people don't understand. What do you know about Rahab? What do you know about Rahab from James 2? Right after Abraham, in 21 through 24, 25 and 26, talk about Abraham, uh, uh, Rahab, rather, what do you know about? She was a harlot. All right, so she had passed. Maybe a somewhat questionable background, okay? What else do you know about her? Hid the spies. Huh? Hid the spies. She hid the spies. That took a lot of courage because basically she's going against her own people. And that's kind of treason, you know? And she's standing up for some Israelites because she's come to believe in the God of the Israelites. So she hides them and it took courage to do that. It took a lot of courage. And there's something else you need to think about with Rahab. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Look at verses 4 and 5 and tell me 
how Rahab is mentioned. Matthew 1, 4, and 5. You look at it and tell me how. She's in the genealogy of Jesus. Yeah. Here is a Canaanite woman listed in the ancestry of Jesus. She's one of only a few women that are specifically mentioned. That's because of her courageous faith. Ladies, there's several of you in here. Young ladies, you can be a person of active faith like Abraham. You can be God's friend like Abraham. You can also be a person of courageous faith like Rahab was. And God bless us. That type of faith. One more passage about Rahab. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31. God. Hebrews 11.31 Tell me what's said about Rahab. Since by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. Yeah. Hebrews 11. What do we call Hebrews 11 typically? You got all of these people that we call what? Heroes of faith, you know, one right after another. Maybe you've heard somebody call the chapter Faith's Hall of Fame. Right here in Hebrews 11 is a woman who courageously stood up for God and for his people. Right now. Wow. Getting there. Five minutes, 49 seconds, everybody. Let's go with this one. Job. Job. Turn to James 5 and verse 11. James 5, 11. Brother, introducer of the speaker, would you mind reading it? Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Enduring faith. Mark it down. Patient faith. If I'm going to stand out by learning from people, <laughs> it's going to be active faith. Where I am God's friend like Abraham. It's going to be courageous faith like Rahab showed. It's going to be enduring, patient faith. When really going through some difficulty and heartache and loss. Like Job. Stand out in your desire to love and follow Jesus. Elijah. Elijah. Four Old Testament characters specifically mentioned. That's all. Elijah's the last one. James 5, 17. 
James 5, 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He was somebody like us. I like that statement. There were things that Elijah was very passionate about. Maybe some of you even have that word, a man of passions like us. I mean, he had strong likes, strong loves, strong feelings, strong emotions, a strong will. If you think about Elijah, think about passion and faith. Because Elijah is the kind of guy who in the Old Testament God used mightily. He used him greatly. And Elijah is always passionate in what he does. It's Elijah that faces a bunch of priests and priestesses uh, uh, of idols in 1 Kings 18. And he says to all the people, he's one guy up against all of them, and he says, if God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. But don't straddle the fence. Passionate. He's clear. Come to think of it, he's a lot like James. And a lot like Jesus. There are things that we ought to be passionate about just because they're right. Right according to God. Sometimes we're passionate about things that maybe are, are not such biblical things. I'm passionate about good pizza. I am passionate about a great steak. I can be more passionate about food than I am about what's right sometimes. Can you be passionate about vaulting? Sure. But don't be more passionate about the vaulting than you are about God standing out in a way that makes him happy. Elijah, passion, passionate faith. Now, the last two are New Testament characters. James himself. James himself. Look at James 1.1. James has a humble view of himself. What is James? Is he the half-brother of the Lord and one of the great early superstars of the church? Yes, sir. That's exactly right. He's not full of himself. He's not got the big head. He's not arrogant. He's a servant. James has a high view of God. How does he view God? I am a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't have any problem putting Jesus in the same context as the Father, does he? How does James speak of God's people? He speaks of them as the, what the scattered or the dispersed. 
God's people are found throughout the world, aren't they? We are part of an amazing group of people throughout the world that love and follow Jesus. That brings me to the last one. Jesus. Look at James 2 and verse 1. In that passage, James 2, 1, at the close of the verse, he's called the Lord of what? The Lord of what, James 2, 1? Glory. Jesus is the Lord of glory, and yet, he stands out humbly and obediently and faithfully for us all. And then it also talks about not having the faith, holding the faith with partiality and respect of persons or just looking at people and making snap judgments, fast judgments about who they are. Oh, that person's a geek. That person's a nerd. That person's dumb. When we look at people, we see that they are people made by God that have a soul. That makes us careful about speaking about them in another way. That will help you to stand out. Thank you all.